podcast. Welcome to the Chin Music Podcast. We are up and in with Nick, and we got Brock. Brock, how was your all-star break? My all-star break was great. Um, it served me pretty well. We had a little Greek reunion, um, so all the guys came back to Kirksville for the weekend, and I got to spend time with them and catch up. Spent time with some family. Um, didn't have to worry about checking my fantasy lineup every hour or so, and it was it served me well. And we got Vansel. Vansel, how was your all-star break? Um, it was good. Upset I didn't make the all-star team, but it was a good break. <laughs> got to hang out. Pretty happy about that. Maybe next year. My all-star break was great. Thank you for asking. Um, I I really enjoy uh, the all-star break. I thought the all-star game was awesome this year. Um, just watching the players mic'd up I think is really fun. And I wish they would do that more often. I know they have like players mic'd up, but like actually talking to them was super funny. I don't know if they would ever do that in a game. Probably not. Mm-hmm. But I think it's I think it's great. Uh, I remember during spring training they had they had Mookie mic'd up. I think it was either this year or the year before, and a fly ball was hit out there. He's like, "Oh yeah, I'm not getting this one, guys." And I just think that's absolutely hilarious when you're in the middle of the game and you can hear him talking. Yeah. Um, so I think that was probably my favorite part of the All Star break. Uh, what about you, Brock? What was your favorite part? Um, well, to start off, they said that Cleveland had, like, shut down, like, all of their downtown for, like, the Fan Fest and the All-Star, just all the All-Star game festivities. They said it was one of the best All-Star, like, game atmospheres that they've ever had. Um, and the and the Indians have been successful, so baseball is kind of booming in that town right now. But my favorite part was definitely the Home Run Derby. Um, I, if you guys listened to our last podcast, which I'm sure you have, we made a little $5 bet, and... Just to give you a little recap, Nick had his money on Pete Alonzo. I had my money on Jock Peterson. Vansel had his money on Josh Bell. And we had a late entry. Matt, Nick's brother, put some money on Vlad Jr., which ended up being a good bet. Um, but, but not the best bet. Not the best bet. Nick will he'll toot his own horn. But he picked the whole first round correct, and he had all the picks correct but one, and that was the one that went to triple overtime, of course, Jock and Vlad. But Jock gave up a little valiant effort, so I'm not too upset about that. And that was just awesome to watch. And the Home Run Derby is always just super enjoyable. And with the new format, it's just just nonstop action instead of just, oh, watch a pitch, watch a pitch. They're just daddy hacking every single swing. Yeah, I thought the all- – the- Home Run Derby was just really, really good TV this year. I was sitting in my living room by myself, and I'm, like, standing up yelling at the TV and just having a really good time watching it. That triple overtime matchup was just ridiculous. Super fun to watch. What what about you, Vansel? What was your your favorite part of the All-Star break? My favorite part was the celebrity softball game. Jesus. (laughs) One of my favorite NBA players, J.R. Smith, was in it, bringing about the classic shirtless look. Stole home plate. I don't know if you guys know this, but whenever the Cavs won the championship, he was told he had to put a shirt back on after going, like, two, three days without wearing a shirt. So then he made a shirt, like, of his body so that it was like he was still shirtless. (laughs) I remember when it was in St. Louis, Nelly put on a big show, and that was awesome. So J.R. Smith's kind of not really a hometown hero, but he's kind of a legend around there. So it's awesome to see the celebrities. 
He's the hero and the villain. Yeah. I just am not sure I'll ever be able to think of J.R. Smith without thinking of him messing up the score at the end of that game. I saw a bunch of people were like tweeting out and saying that he's going to hit the ball and like run to third base instead of running first and just <laughs> all that kind of stuff. Classic JR. Um, Love him. One of the greatest. Uh, what about the SB Awards? Did you guys watch the SBs at all uh, this last week? No interest at all. Um, one of the biggest things for me was with the tennis <laughs> I really feel like they got it wrong. I'll let Nick elaborate a little bit more, but I feel like they messed that Universally up. Universally accepted that they got it wrong. I have given them an earful already about how I think that the tennis awards were awarded to the wrong people. Um, I think Osaka definitely should have won the female tennis player of the year. Uh, she won two of the four majors, which is more than Serena did. Um, one of them was against Serena, uh, and she actually won the first uh, major title by a Japanese woman, which I thought was awesome. She's only 21 years old, born in 1997. Definitely a really cool story. And not only that, but one of the title that she won against Serena, Serena had this big blow up on the chair umpire um, after Osaka had won. And the entire crowd was booing and Osaka started crying because she just won her first title and the whole crowd was booing. It was just a really bad look for Serena. And it kind of bummed me out that she won tennis player of the year. Um, and then definitely similar uh, in the guy category. I think it's just people see a name they recognize. I'm not exactly sure how they do this voting. It's probably fans. Um, but in the guy category, Federer won, and I don't think Federer deserved it this year. Um, Djokovic has lost one match in a major tournament this in this last year. So he um, won, three of, won three of the four. I definitely think he deserves it. I think when it's all said and done, Djokovic is probably going to be the GOAT, honestly. Who did you lose to in that one? I couldn't tell you, honestly. It could have been Federer. Um, I know I saw since 2003, there have been like five major tournaments that have been won by anybody other than Djokovic, Nadal, and Federer, which is pretty crazy. Um, I definitely think that when it's all said and done, Djokovic will be the best. I think obviously right now, like if, it's, if it was a career award, I think obviously right now Federer would deserve it over Djokovic. But since it's Tennis Player of the Year, I think Djokovic deserved it. Um, we can start talking about a little bit of baseball. There are a couple of interesting articles that I saw come up. Um, one talking about instant replay and its effect on sports. Instant replay is kind of something that's new to baseball. Um, what are your guys's? Do you like instant replay? Do you like that its effect is on sports? They're making it more accurate. Uh, Vansel. I mean, I like it. It's you know slows down the game, which is unfortunate. But like when calls are missed, you want them right. I think in the end, it's good for the game. Baseball, I would say, is the the one major sport that the umpire has the most control. Like the home pi- the home plate umpire can dictate how a game is gonna go, and we'll get into that a little bit later with robot umpires behind the plate. But the game is already slow, and I think they're trying to speed it up. So by adding instant replay, it's just kind of evening out, um, and I'm fine with that. I agree with what Vantel said about. Just getting it right is more important than just getting it done. And if it's, if it's in the World Series, nobody cares if the game is five hours long if they're making all the wrong calls. So I think it's kind of a no-brainer. Yeah, I think that's probably accurate. I just think that there's, there's something about – the one thing that I think I like about baseball a lot is, like, when somebody hits a home run, like, there's no question about it. Like, you know Whoa. the runs are going up on the board, you know? 
Whereas in football, if you have like a big 80 yard touchdown, like you always like look out like for flags, you're always like, you're always questioning it and you're always like kind of hesitant to celebrate. But like when Bautista hit that home run in 2015, he bat flips like he knows it's going out. Like there's no question about it. There isn't going to be any flags. There isn't going to be any sort of instant replay or anything like that. So I kind of like that aspect of baseball a lot. And I think that like just that in the moment, like even now when there's like a big play at first base, like say somebody is like grounding the ball and the game winning run crosses the plate and they call him safe at first. Like even then you're kind of hesitant to celebrate because you don't know if it's going to get replayed or, you know, whatever. So I think that definitely being accurate is good, but to a certain extent, I like just in the moment, like just kind of feeling it. Um, I also saw an article, um, they had an interview with Max Scherzer and he talked a little bit about uh, teams that are throwing their season um, and you kind of see it across all sports. Vance, so what do you think about teams throwing their seasons for draft picks or whatever reason they're doing it in baseball? Like with the Orioles, they're just like so clearly not trying to win this year. Um, I mean, I think it's just something universal in sports. It's just something that's going to happen as teams realize that like, you know, we're not good enough to win, so we might as well tank and get those better draft picks. I think that it's just something that's in the game. Basketball probably has the closest one with the lottery picks to solving the issue. Yeah, I think it's amplified in both basketball and in the MLB, um, specifically 162 games. If you know after 40 or 50 games your team's not going to contend, then you have 100 games that it's going to be hard to fill the stands and get people to watch just a terrible team. Um, Whereas in like football, you only have 16 games if you're bad. Um, and most of those teams are still competitive. Um, it's just amplified, and it makes it hard to watch. Yeah, I think that's probably why they talk about it in baseball a lot. Because like you said, just 100 games just going out there and just not really competing is just really, really tough to watch. Yeah. But on the flip side, like if, I'm, if I am a manager, president of player operations for an MLB team, it's so much harder to hit on those early picks in the MLB we talked about Mike Trout, how he's drafted late. Tons and tons of, like, Hall of Famers and All-Stars are drafted in the late rounds. Whereas, like, in the NBA, you know your top five picks are almost all the time for surefire going to be good. So I just don't understand the tanking in baseball. I think a lot of it in baseball is trading, like, your big names for mm-hmm. um, prospects. Yeah. Because a lot of times in prospects, you'll have um, some sort of a pedigree that they've put together mm-hmm. and – It'll be a little bit more of a surefire thing than just for draft picks. Yeah. And if they were drafted out of high school, they're like a lot of years away still from being ready. And it's not necessarily even that, I guess, that they're tanking. It's just that all of their guys are still in the minors, and their their major league teams just aren't to the caliber of all of these other teams that are pushing and have all of their guys in the majors. All right. Um, what about... Uh, do you guys see the Angels no-hitter that they pitched yesterday, all wearing Tyler Skaggs' number? Yeah, Tyler Skaggs' mom threw out the first pitch. They were all wearing number 45, no-hitter. And the thing that gave me the chills was Mike Trout hit a home run that was 454 feet. 454. And that just... Mm-hmm. Some things happen, like the D. Gordon home run after Jose Fernandez's death. It's just bigger than sports at that point. The D. Gordon home run was amazing. I remember seeing that, and I remember after the game, he's like, if you don't believe in God, you better start. There's no – I've never hit a ball that far in my life where he said something like that. Yeah. That was also the Angels' career, like, number 
11 no-hitter, and Tyler Skaggs wore Number 11 one. in high school. And I saw um, something else uh, about the no-hitter. The last combined no-hitter thrown um, by the Angels was actually on the day that Tyler Skaggs was born. So that's pretty amazing. All of that is amazing. Um, definitely a really, really cool moment. All the players went out and laid their jerseys out on the mound afterwards. They all had Skaggs' name and number on there. Definitely a really, really cool thing that was just much bigger than sports. Um, so uh, moving to the NBA, uh, there were more moves um, since we had our last podcast. Westbrook moved to um, the Rockets. I know, Vansel, you said that you wanted to see Westbrook move in our last podcast. What did you think about the move? I know it wasn't the exact move that you said you wanted to see. Yeah, I wanted him to go to the Heat to partner up with Jimmy Butler. I really like Butler. But, you know, it'll be cool to see the Beard and Brody back together. Do you think it's going to go well? Do you think they're going to... Do you think they're going to contend? I know their <laughs> championship odds went up. It was kind of slightly. It was like 10-1 to one to 7-1 to one or something like that. Yeah. You just put the two players who shoot the most in the NBA on the same team. So, I, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. I've never really been a Westbrook fan myself. I'm not entirely sure that he... I think that he's probably one of the most athletic players in the NBA. If not the most athletic and the most one of the most exciting to watch. Mm-hmm. But in terms of... Winning games and winning championships, I'm not sure Westbrook is a guy that you really want on your team. Yeah, I saw this gif, and it was of semi-pro Jackie Moon Will Ferrell um, when he's in the post, and they would just feed him the ball, but he'd pass it back and back and forth. And it, the comment was, um, when Russell Westbrook and James Harden are both at nine assists trying to get a triple-double. <laughs> so, I am a huge Russell Westbrook fan. Um, my favorite player in the NBA is probably James Harden. So I love this move to kind of reunite them. Um, Russell Westbrook in his MVP season, he was just otherworldly. Um, but at the same time, there wasn't really another all-star with him. And that's been his big knock is when Russ, KD, and um, the Beard were together that they weren't great. I know they were younger, but I think that they will struggle early with um, ball, t- like having the ball and just who's going to get all these shots in crunch time and they're both I didn't really think that the beard had like any like attitude issues but with the whole Chris Paul fallout I think that if they don't work it out early that there could be struggles all year long for the Rockets but I do love the move on paper um, getting to getting a better point guard than Chris Paul and Chris Paul was not great for us or for the beard we have breaking news. Andrew Kashner just got traded to the Red Sox. Oh, that's my guy, Greasy. That's big time. He has some of the worst peripherals in the league, but he has been dealing in his last, I want to say, eight starts. That's just not who you want. If you're a Red Sox fan and you, your GM says that they're going to go get a pitcher and you get Andrew Kashner, it's yeah. probably a letdown. Uh. I feel like he'll eat up innings for them, save yeah. the bullpen. What do you guys think about fantasy-wise? Think you want to go try and grab Kashner? I know I mean, his value goes up. If he pitches how he has been pitching, he will have a lot more opportunities for wins, but I think he's still not a good pitcher. Yeah, I think I'm definitely on board with that. Um, what about, did you guys watch uh, Mariznick run into Luke Roy? I did. What, what do you think, Brock? You think he needed to be suspended? 
I don't know if you watched it in depth. I watched the replay a lot because I saw a lot of people were kind of talking about it back and forth. Yadier Molina posted, went on, rant. Went on an absolute rant yeah. on Instagram. He, he was just every person that commented. Every person that commented like, oh, wasn't that bad? Or we need to go back to baseball. He just attacked. Middle finger emoji. Middle finger emoji. I just pictured the Pete Rose um, trucking at the plate. And we're trying to protect our players. And I understand that. It's just hard for me because I like the contact. I really do. But at the same time, you don't want Jonathan Lucroy to get a concussion and be out this time just for a little thing that could have been avoided easily. If you look at the replay, though, if you watch it in slow motion, you can see Merznik tried to avoid Lucroy, and then Lucroy takes a step into the path that Merznik had taken, and he kind of like braces for impact. Merznik was not trying to hurt Lucroy, was not trying to run through him, actually took a step inside to avoid him, and then Lucroy stepped in front of him. And I thought it was interesting on Molina's Instagram post. I think Carlos Correa um, commented and said something like, hey, like I know Jake, like he definitely wouldn't have done this intentionally. He wasn't trying to hurt anybody. And Molina basically was like, I don't know, like screw you. Like this is terrible play. We can't let this happen. And Carlos Correa was like, I respect you. And I respect all of the stuff that you do in baseball. But like I disagree with you. And I think that Marisnik was mm-hmm. not trying to do it. I think Yachty was just in the heat of the moment because like, you know, Lou Croy used to be a brewer. I'm sure they know each other. And Yachty's obviously a catcher. Like, that could have been him. It's probably just scary seeing that from his perspective. And then, you know, I'm sure when he calmed down, it was like, okay. like. Yeah, it definitely – it was definitely a scary sight watching him not even be able to make it off the field on his own power. Um, Marisnik was pretty clearly torn up about it. Like, I saw he was getting pretty emotional – um, definitely wasn't something that was intentional, but hopefully Luke Roy, uh, everything goes well. I'm sure I've read a little bit of an update, and it didn't seem like um, they were super concerned. It sounds like he's going to probably make full recovery, nothing permanent or anything like that, so that's definitely good news. Um, there are a couple things in the Atlantic Baseball League uh, that they're trying out that I thought would be interesting to talk about. Um, they used a robot umpire uh, behind uh, home plate for pitches and or for balls and strikes. Um, they did have an umpire back there to, like, overrule anything if it was ridiculous. Like, obviously, if a ball, like, bounced in the dirt and then went up in the strike zone, the robot ump would call a strike. What do you guys think about using robot umps, Vansel? I like the human element of the game. I feel like that's just something in it that it's, like, it's part of the game. You learn to adjust, like, per the umpire's strike zone. I think that it's it's just part of the game. I really, like, you know, not every sport has that. And you know, rules are rules there, but it's like the strike zone is just such a unique thing that I I don't want robot umpires, personally. Yeah, this um, stat that I just looked up says that MLB home plate umpires make incorrect calls at least 20% of the time. Which I, like I alluded to earlier and Vance just said, I love the human element of it. Um, because the, the umpire can dictate how the game goes mm-hmm. and right or wrong, like both teams are dealing with it. And that just adds that little like binge sponge of um, uncertainty that baseball really is. Like these guys are batting 300. That means they're failing 70% of the time. Um, that's just the game. It's frustrating. And if you let that frustration get to you, then you're not going to be successful. And I love that about baseball. 
What about, did you see that they're starting to allow batters to steal first base? So this would be on any pitch that gets away from the catcher, any pitch that hits the ground. You can choose to run to first. I've actually thought about this. I didn't know they were doing that. I was like, I've had, because some backstops are like huge. It's like, that'd be really cool because, you know, you just see catchers like lazily blocking it. I think it would be cool, honestly, to see that. I don't know if that will actually happen, but yeah. I've thought about that. I think it would actually be really cool. I think they would just trial it out on like a low A or like rookie yeah. ball. And just, yeah, the band to PCL. Yeah. Just see how it goes. Like, that could change the game of baseball. Save and Billy Hamilton's yeah, career. Yeah, save Billy Hamilton's <laughs> career. That's, yeah, that, I mean, it would be cool at the very least. I don't know if it would ever take hold, but yeah. it would be fun to watch, I think. Yeah, I think they're just trying to do a lot of things to make baseball more interesting for our younger viewers. I think a lot of baseball um, fans are probably on the older side. Um, and they're worried about the new generation coming up not enjoying baseball. I think what they need to do to make games more exciting is mic more players up and kind of let us see the players more and kind of have that personality. I know the All-Star game was really, really good for that. Um, I saw somebody posted on social media that having players mic'd up is the way to save baseball. Because, like, watching Freddie Freeman walk up to the plate and mm-hmm. talking to the announcers and, like, yeah. yelling at Justin Verlander. It's like you would never think, watching baseball, Freddie Freeman had that personality. Like, you see Francisco Lindor and Javi Baez, and right. you definitely know these guys have a lot of personality. But even, like, Paul Goldschmidt, like, I don't even know if I've heard his voice. A lot of, most people don't even know who Mike Trout is, and he's probably the best player to ever play the game of baseball. And, we're like, he's playing right now. It's just, I think that that would also be awesome. And that's not going to hurt the game at all. Yeah, I agree 100%. And I think that that, like, because now I want to go and watch Freddie Freeman play. Like, I am feel more, I don't know, I just, I really liked having that personality in the game and just watching. Um, they talked to the three Astros out in the outfield for a little bit. They talked to Bellinger and Yelich at the same time, which I thought was cool. I thought it was pretty funny. They asked, um, they asked multiple people at the All-Star game what they thought about the juiced ball this year. They asked Verlander. What do you think about the juice ball? And he starts going on his rant. He's not holding back. He was not holding back at all. He thought it was ridiculous. Um, he, I think, has given up more home runs in the first half this year than he gave up all of last year. So, obviously, he's not liking the ball. But they asked Cody Bellinger and Yelich about the juice ball, and they were each like, uh, it's not so bad. Like, <laughs> I think maybe we're just hitting the ball harder. And I just I thought it was funny, yeah. their response compared to Verlander's response. And it, Rob Man- Manfred... The, he came out and said that they have not juiced the balls and like denied all of it. But I did some insider um, research, and I haven't heard this anywhere else. This is 100% me. I was looking at who owns Rawlings because I was looking at internships and things like that because they're based out of St. Louis. And I saw that Rawlings had just recently been bought out. Also, Rawlings makes the balls for baseball, MLB. So they had just been bought out by this company a few years ago. I think it was last year or two years ago maybe. And I was looking into the company. And it's kind of like a conglomerate holding company, and the like, the largest percentage like of shares in this company is Major League Baseball. So Major League Baseball bought Rawlings, who makes the ball, so they could cover up anything because they like, they own the company. They're making the ball now. It's not a third party company that's now providing the balls. I thought it was like just a known thing that this year the balls were like juiced. Like I've heard it where it's like they're expected to travel like ten feet more, and that's why like 
these people are in danger of being worse because a lot of like their like fly balls were going like through that ten feet mark where they would give up a lot more home runs. So I thought yeah. it was just like a known thing. I didn't. Know. Yeah, and I don't care. All these pitchers can can complain all that they want. People want to see offense. That's why people love the NBA because there's a ton of scoring. Baseball, when baseball is high scoring back in the Royd era, that's when it was at its highest. People love seeing moonshots. Vlad Jr., that's why I just said I love the home run derby because people are mesmerized by these towering home runs. Nobody wants to go and sit and watch no contact, just aces, just dealing like back in the day with Carpenter and Wainwright. Yeah, I think it's interesting that if they did do something to the ball, I don't understand why they would want to cover it up. Like why? Like if you just if you want more offense and you want more home runs, why don't you just say yeah we made the ball drag a little bit less so that it carries a little bit more? I don't understand why they wouldn't just say that rather than covering it up. It just the whole thing seems weird to me. Um, I definitely, I mean, I can appreciate a pitcher's duel, but I understand um, wanting just to, your average Joe that's trying to get into the game. Right, it doesn't appreciate the pitching. Right, like those yeah. London games. I think mm-hmm. I think those those were fun to watch, and I think that it probably. Like, I know a lot of people were talking about how it was ridiculous that 50 runs are scored in two games. Like, okay, yeah, like, if we went to London and had two games, like a three-to-four game and, like, a two-to-four game, I guarantee you nobody talks about that anymore. Now everybody's talking about the series in London because there are 50 Mm -hmm. runs in two games. I think that that kind of stuff would probably be good for the game if it started going that way. I just wish they would say that and just Mm -hmm. say, this is what we're going for. We want more runs to be scored. Um, The final, or a couple more... um, rule changes that they're looking into doing to change up the game is a pitch clock. I know they've had the pitch clock in the minors uh, for quite some time, and they've talked to a couple of major leaguers about it, about what kind of effect it has. Vansel, do you like a pitch clock? Do you think it's going to affect the game in any sort of way? I don't know. I feel like it's more of a thing where they're trying to condition like minor leaguers to play faster, so that way whenever they come up, they're just naturally playing faster. I don't really like it at the major league level because of, you know... This is, like, the height of competition. I don't want, like, them speeding up. Like, I want them to be ready every pitch. But if they're just naturally ready, then I think that'll help. So I like it in the minor leagues, not in the major leagues. I don't see a huge issue with it. Um, I said it earlier. kind of sound like a broken record, but speeding the game up is fine. Um, Just cutting out all of these, like, moments that you don't really need to just be – just being slow like that your average show is not going to get into a game that's boring so if it's fast-paced high speed but still has like the traditional intricacies of baseball then people are gonna take that yeah i watched an interview i think with lucas giolito and he was talking about dealing with the pitch clock in the minors he said never really noticed it or really realized it even but he said that there was a guy on his team that every once in a while like because the penalty for violating the pitch clock is just a ball in the count. And he said, like, there was a big game, like, bottom of the eighth or bottom of the ninth or whatever. And it was like a 1-1 count. And the umpire had kind of been lenient with it all day. Because they also said it's a judgment call on the umpire. Like, there's the pitch clock out there. But if they violate the pitch clock, but if there was some sort of, like, maybe the batter stepped out or mm-hmm. there was something going on. Then, the ball or- yeah, right. Then the umpire will kind of make it a judgment call. And they said that typically umpires just kind of ignore it. It's just kind of supposed to be in the back of the pitcher's mind to speed things up. But he said that you would see, like, all of a sudden out of nowhere, they would, like, say there was a ball on the count because of the pitch clock violation. And Giolito said that there were a couple instances where it would be like a 1-1 count that goes to a 2-2 count just because the pitch clock was violated when they haven't been calling it all day. And that 
That kind of stuff is not something, like Vansel said, that I want to see at the major league level. So I think it's, I think I'm probably on board with Vansel here. I think it's good uh, to condition people in the minors with that pitch clock, kind of get them in that habit, but not do anything like that or enforce anything like that in the majors. Is this the first time we've agreed on the podcast? Uh, it's definitely one of the first times, yes. Um, yeah. Um, all right, then the last um, rule change I want to talk about is a three batter minimum for relief pitchers. You guys in favor or against a three batter minimum? I am. I would say I'm in favor of that. Um, just because, again, I sound like a broken record. I've said this every time, but speeding the game up is so valuable right now in the state of baseball because you could get like specialist guys that come in and just face one batter and then you pull him but it takes three minutes to get him there five minutes to face the batter and then you pull him so that's like 10 minutes that really didn't need to happen um so you have got there's not like a lot of specialists anymore like there used to be a lot of lefty specialists so you can you kind of already see a transition into this where guys are pitching like a full inning or even closers now are going two full innings instead of just the traditional ninth inning so Again, I think that that would be cool and interesting. Definitely trial, give it a little trial run in some of the lower um, minors and then see if it works. And if it doesn't work, then that's fine. But it's definitely worth toying with. I think it's going to do a couple things. Uh, if they are trying to increase offense, I think that it will do that. Because like those lefty specialists that come in and face, I don't know, Matt Carpenter or somebody that can't hit lefties really or like Cody Bellinger. Obviously, he can hit lefties, but struggles more against lefties than righties. You're kind of taking that, like bringing in a pitcher just to face this one guy. You're kind of taking that out of the game. And there probably would be more offense. And like you said, it'd speed things up. Um, I do think that you're going to lose lose jobs, lose positions um, based on doing this. Uh, obviously, there are like some lefty pitchers that specifically come in and will get a lefty out. Like Andrew Miller. We've been mm-hmm. kind of using Andrew Miller like that this year in the Cardinals. Um, and I'm sure pretty much every team has got probably at least one lefty specialist that'll come in and get a lefty, a big lefty bat out towards the end of the game. Um, so I think that I think it'll it'll affect lefty pitchers, specifically relievers, uh, in terms of kind of limiting jobs and job positions. Like they're going to need to go to one inning. They're um, they're going to need to be able to play righties just like they can play lefties. It can't just be a guy that gets lefties out. I think it would make it more interesting. So for the fantasy value in that respect. Do you think that increases some of those relievers like Ryan Pressler and Andrew Miller? Do you think that makes them more valuable or that hurts them because they have to face three batters? I feel like fantasy-wise, the relief pitchers that you're picking up aren't going to be those guys. Yeah. But now, if they have to face three. Right. I would think that it would – I can't imagine it would make their value go down. Um, they're, unless they can't actually pitch against righties, um, but then I can't imagine the rule is going to help their career outlook in general. Um, but I think that obviously, like for guys, especially like in save hold, hold leagues, um, like if you have a guy like Andrew Miller that'll come out now and pitch an entire inning rather than just getting one batter out, I think that his value would definitely go up. For the three batter rule, would it be like Andrew Miller comes in with two outs in one inning, gets the last out? Does he have to start the next inning? I think so. I don't like that. I feel like... But then that's still just like you're bringing your lefty specialist. Right. Yeah, but like, it doesn't affect the game. That's fair. Yeah, that is fair. I, but I, I still think if you're in the MLB, you should be able to face at least three batters. If you can't mm-hmm. face three batters, I mean, come on. That's... And how's that affect if the guy's getting lit up? 
Like, if he comes out, gives three, up seven it's three runs. three batters, though. You're not, how many runs? Oh, three most, batters. Yeah, I was thinking The most outs. you're going to give up is yeah. six runs. Right. I was thinking three outs. That's my bad. So, that is an interesting <laughs> point, though, how they will structure that if you come in. Like, a guy gets rocked for his three batters, and then you bring in a guy, and he just gets that last out. Um, and he has to come back out. I, I still think that it's about the same. What I think would happen is I think people would just start, like, faking injuries. Like, you come in, you mm-hmm. get a batter out, and you're like, ooh, my shoulder doesn't feel very good. Maybe I need to go out and bring somebody else in. Yeah. And then the next day, the trainer, and then you're fine. You know, mm-hmm. I think that there would probably be a little bit more of that, at least to a certain extent. Definitely, I'm like, very important, like, playoff game, like the wild card game or something. Right. That would probably definitely happen. Right. I think it, it would be an interesting rule change. I don't think I'm in favor of it. I'm not sure I'm in favor of any of this stuff. Uh, robot umpire, don't think I like stealing first base is interesting. I think it's Great fun. Idea. I, I think it's Love fun. It. I think it's fun in the Atlantic League. Like I think that's you can go and watch a game where somebody can run first base when they drop the pitch, but I don't really want to see it in the majors. Pitch it makes clock. every it makes every pitch more interesting because it's like right. oh, did he just steal first? I'm all for change because baseball's been declining. Say we were in the steroid era and like it was just going perfectly fine and there wasn't a need to change, but we see all of these issues and like all of these ideas because there is an issue and they're trying to like fill that gap. Um, and again, if you test run and it doesn't work out, then it doesn't work out. But if it works out, then it's great. Well put. I think that, um, so I've heard a lot of people like in the industry talking about um, their first half award winners um, so first half MVP, first half rookie of the year, all that kind of stuff. So I kind of want to switch it up. I want to hear what your guys' predictions are for the second half award winners. So who do you think is going to be the AL second half MVP? Say a name other than Mike Trout. Let's make it a little bit interesting. I am going to go with Matt Chapman, mm-hmm. my guy. Wow. He he was in the home run derby, hit the second for this home run, if I'm not wrong. You're correct. Um, he is just a platinum glove winner. Him and Ar- Arnado are probably the two best defensive third basemen, maybe best defensive infielders, and he rakes. He has been hitting so well this year. Um, I don't have his stats on hand, but I just know that he's so underappreciated. And now that he's got a little bit of spotlight, I think that he can take that and run with it. I'm going to go with Francisco Lindor. The Indians starting to make a playoff push, getting back into contention. I think that if they really want to be a good team and make the playoffs, it will be because of him. So he's my guy. I'm actually going to go with his teammate. I think that um, Jose Ramirez is going to be the second half AL MVP. <laughs> Hot takes. Wow, that's going to be so wrong. I think probably it will be wrong. But I do think that he's going to play a lot better. Um, I think that kind of that will be, like you mentioned, the Indians are starting to play a lot better. I know the last like seven or eight games he's batting over 300 um, has a couple home runs. They were both in the same game, but still, he is definitely playing better, and I think that he'll kind of turn it around. And everything looks the same as last year. All his batted ball profile looks the exact same as last Not year. batting average. His batting average is lower, <laughs> um, but like his hard contact rate, his launch angle, everything is everything's the same. The only thing that's different is his BABIP, so his batting average is down, um, and then his home run to fly ball rate is way down as well, which is interesting because the entire league's home run to fly ball rate is up, so it makes no sense. Is his ground ball rate up? His ground ball rate is not up. His ground ball rate is down. I, I don't understand it. Um, so I think that he's going to turn it around and have a really, really good second half. 
Um, what about NL MVP for the second half of the season, Brock? NL MVP, I am going to go with Pete Alonzo. I think, again, he won the home run derby. Like people now, everyone knows who Pete Alonzo is and kind of are appreciating the absolute tear that he is on with home runs. And his average looks good um, for a guy that's just basically a power hitter. Um, not only will he be rookie of the year, I think that his second half is going to be just as good or better than the, than the first half. Um, he's, I think he has 30-ish home runs on pace for 60. Um, that's just out of this world. My pick is Ronald Acuna. I think he's just all around a really good player. I think he could have a great second half. Had a good first half. Braves are a good team. He's my pick. Uh, I think I'm gonna go with Paul Goldschmidt. It's a little bit of a, a little bit of a homer pick here, uh, Cardinals. I think that, um, I think that he's gonna turn it around. I, I think. Hope. Yeah, I hope too. Um, but a, a lot of his batted ball profile looks pretty similar too. He had nine doubles in the first half of the season, which is ridiculous considering how hard he hits the ball. Um, he definitely looks a lot slower than he used to be. Obviously, he hasn't stolen a single base, and I don't think that that's going to change. Or maybe he's stolen one or two. Um, I don't think that's going to change, but I do think he's going to start hitting the ball, more home runs. I know the Cardinals are like definitely bottom half of the league in terms of runs scored, and I think they're going to kind of turn it around similarly to the Indians. Tommy Edmund. I mean, I, interestingly, I was going to ask you guys second half busts, um, and I think that Pete Alonso is going to be my pick. Hmm. Um, I've always kind of thought that Pete Alonso was – I traded Pete Alonso at the beginning of the year and <laughs> kind of always been – down on him a little bit. I think he strikes out way too much. He does hit the ball really hard, and if there's one thing that you can um, overcome, or if there's one thing that allows you to overcome striking out a lot, it's hitting the ball hard, and he does that, certainly. But I do think that his strikeout rate is too high and that his BABIP is going to go down and that he's going to hit fewer home runs. Um, I don't remember. What was Bellinger's ho- rookie home run record? Uh, it was in the... F- I think it's somewhere in the 40s, and my prediction was that Alonzo doesn't beat it. Hmm. hmm. Interesting. Interesting. He's at 30? Yeah. Yes, he's at 30 right now. Ooh. All right, what about your thoughts for Cy Young in the NL? Second half. NL. I'm going to go with my guy, as long as he doesn't get innings limited, Chris Paddock. He, I think that he's got everything. He's got three to four pitches that are all like ace-tier pitches. Um, he, the Padres are going to make a push for that wild card spot. Um, and I think that it's going to be behind the back of Chris Paddock. He's just, he's so good and he's so young. I think that people are going to start paying attention to the Padres. That's quite the take. My pick is Aaron Nola. His peripherals have looked good. He hasn't pitched. He's been inconsistent, but in his last four starts, he has like a .68 ERA. He pitches again tonight. I think that he could be a second half Cy Young. Yeah, I thought about saying Aaron Nola. I think I think Walker Bueller is probably yeah. my pick. Yep. I think I think he's gonna have an incredible second half. He um, he does have kind of um, hit or miss type starts. Like you'll have one where he starts out sixteen, like we saw, uh, and then kind of gets blown up in a different one. But I do think I'm confident that Walker Bueller puts it all together and that he will be the second half Cy Young, and a close second Jack Flaherty. Ooh, once again another home run. Hope. Yeah. Um, Cy Young AL. 
I'm going to go with Shane Bieber. Ah, that's what I was going to say. Shane yes. Bieber has just kind of come out of nowhere and been an ace, probably a top 10 pitcher. He was the, I'm kind of going off the whole all-star break, like this is their time to shine. They're going to take and run. He was the MVP of the all-star game. Um, he has been so good for the Indians. And the Indians are another team that are kind of catching fire. And with Kluber out and Bauer struggling a little bit this year, I think Beaver is going to be that guy that they can rely on the rest of the year. I have a pretty bold prediction for this one. Justin Furlander. No, I'm kidding. Madison Bumgarner going to get traded to an AL team wow. and be NL the sign. AL team. This is NL. We're talking, oh, talking AL. We'll flip it, yeah. He's going to get traded to an AL team yep. and be the Cyan for the second half. Ooh. Yeah, I can buy that. I was I was going to say Bieber, like I said. Um, but if I'm not picking Bieber, uh, Blake Snell, I think, would be a good pick. I think Blake yeah. Snell puts it together, and I wouldn't be surprised if he has a second half Cy Young type um, season. So I definitely think in terms of fantasy-wise, mm-hmm. buying low on Blake Snell, been saying it all year long. I really like Blake Snell. Everything looks the same. I think definitely going out and get him. I mean, Lance Lynn. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And in the NL, Brandon Woodruff has been really good. And yeah. nobody really talks about him. Um, I think that uh, Lance Lynn actually is second in war for all pitchers. That's pretty incredible. Um, I would not have guessed that. He just goes out and pitches so deep and just strikes out so many people every single time. Um, definitely Lance Lynn has been put together quite the season. Um, quite the quite the move by the Cardinals there, letting him go. <laughs> uh, to kind of close it out, uh, we're running a little bit short on time today because Vansel has work. Um, we're going to do um, – there's this website, Will You Press the Button? And there's kind of uh, – well, we can just – we can do an example and you guys will see what's going on. So, Brock, take it away. So this one is you get $100 million, but – you have to use it for drugs and take them all on your own. Absolutely not. That's ridiculous. That's a well, no. That was probably a bad you don't example. E- you don't even get any money. Like you just have to. Um, that yeah, just that's makes what, no sense. It's it's um, a no from me too. You're beautiful, sexy, enchanting woman, and you are also Cupid. You make people fall in love, but you can never fall in love with yourself. So you just hate yourself. Yeah. Wow. All right. That was terrible. I think that we need to take a break after that. All right. We'll be right back after this break and we'll close out the episode with some would you rathers. So our first would you rather is would you rather be in jail for a year or lose a year of your life? Nick? Be in jail for a year. Yeah, I would say the same so I can get ripped. I guess that's interesting though because the year of your life that you lose would be at the end... Yeah. And if you're going to jail, you're losing... We're not prime right now, boys. We're yeah. losing age 21. We're losing age 22. That's tough. I would probably shave that last year off your life. I want to as long that. as you die of like old age or like a cancer or something like that. Yeah, you don't know. I feel like you can still do stuff in jail, though. Like you can go out on the yard, play some basketball. Like Nancy said, get ribs. It's like camp back when you were young. <laughs> you get your food, you hang out with your friends, and you just get to go outside and... All right, the next one is, would you rather be married to a 10 with a bad personality or a 6 with an amazing personality? That's terrible. Clearly the 6. 6. Um, I'm going to go with a 10. 
<laughs> just for the sake of devil's advocacy oh. here. What would you rate Lynn? <laughs> Ten. Um, great personality, so that's why I broke this question. But <laughs> um, a Tim with a bird, bad personality. Um, I'll probably be rich and famous from this podcast, so <laughs> I, I'm going to need a trophy trophy wife to carry around with me and just it's be attached to my not a head. trophy wife? She breaks both of those scales. Okay, would you rather spend the, the rest of your life on a sailboat as your home or an RV as your home? Well, Nick gets motion sickness. Yep, definitely RV for me. Couldn't do the sailboat. But you're not driving the RV. You're riding with the six that you're married to. That's fine. I just, I can't do a sailboat. I'd get sick all the time. That's a tough one. Also, RV is just, it makes so much more sense. Like, if you're on a sailboat, I don't know, it's like, you, where do you get groceries and stuff? I would do the sailboat because you could, you could go, you could leave the country. Mm-hmm. You could sail to Europe. You, you could sail. You have your own laws. Yeah. If you're the captain of the ship, you're like, you make the laws. International waters. I'm, I'm going sailboat. I would agree with Vance on that one. That's just wrong. Okay, would you rather give up all drinks except for water or give up eating anything that was cooked in an oven? Or microwave, I'll throw that in there. Um, I'm going to give up the food. Say that one more time. Would you rather give up all drinks except for water or give up anything that was cooked in an oven or microwave? So basically cold food. And sushi. And sushi. I mean, you can still grill stuff. Yeah. I don't know. I like water a lot, though. I think I could probably do that. Yeah, I'll probably give up. No, no. I'll do food. I would I'll give do, up the food. I would do the food. I'd do the for food. For sure. Um, this just in. Max Scherzer to the 10-day IL. Just traded for him. Unfortunate. And I think that that was a good last would you rather. Yeah, all right. Well, thank you guys for listening to our Chin Music podcast. Um the July 13th edition. Um, We will see you next week. Thanks for listening.